Hello and welcome to this episode of the coaching podcast from British Canoeing. So welcome to the coaching podcast. My name is Pete Catterall, I'm the talent coach developer for British Canoeing. Uh, and today I'm we're, we're really lucky because we had Dan Goddard not so long ago and we've managed to get him back. Um, uh, so I'll thank Dan for, for agreeing to do another one of these and for his time because he's a very busy man with lots of different coaching commitments and life commitments. So um, really lucky to have Dan on board. Um, so today's one, I'll get Dan to introduce himself in a sec, but we're going to be chatting today around the journey from being an athlete and being, uh, in Dan's case, full-time athlete into becoming a coach, uh, into a full-time coach and how that journey came about, uh, what is motivation behind becoming a coach uh, and lessons learned along the way. So I'll start off by getting Dan to introduce himself and then we'll, we'll get into the, the topic. So Dan, if you could just give us a, you know, a little rundown of who you are, where, where you've, your, your journey so far, how we've ended up sat chatting again about, about coaching this time. Cool. Um, cheers, Pete. Thanks for having me on again. Um, I'm Dan Goddard. Uh, I'm a British canoeing talent coach, a canoe Wales performance coach, do some coaching at Home Paper Point Canoe Club. Uh, and obviously, and some private coaching as well. Uh, I was an athlete on the British senior team for Canoe Slalom for 10 years, uh, up until 2012. And then in 2013, that's when I would then say I became a full-time coach. Um, I did lots of coaching before this, uh, supporting coaches, helping on C1 development days, helping younger athletes progress. Uh, from paddling with them on the water and on the bank, but 2013 was when I would say yes, I became a, a full-time coach. Yeah. Okay. So, did did you see coach when you were an athlete? Did you think that when whenever retirement was going to come and you were going to stop racing, did, was coaching something always been something you thought you would get into, or um, did you have other plans? And and this was just a, a fluid transition into coaching what what was there a plan behind it i think as as a as an athlete i always was interested in in coaching and that was something i definitely saw myself going into in the future um when that was i, I didn't have a timeline for that um but it was something i was always interested in i really in, always loved uh helping people and, and give advice um when i was an athlete uh, and a, a coach, I guess, was the next the next step for that. Okay, so the co yeah, so the coaching it was almost like an evolution of you into coaching. And if you were the sort of person that wants to wants to help and give give information, that you ended up doing that whilst whilst being an athlete as well. Uh, so it's sort of a seamless progression in, really, I guess. Yeah, um, I guess it came in in kind of 2012 and 2013. I finished in 2012 after Olympic selection um didn't make the Olympics um but I was pleased with again how I how I did actually perform um and I then raced some some of the international races and I think my love and desire for, for racing was kind of I don't know just dwindling away a little bit maybe I still really loved canoeing still still enjoyed being out on the water um and and training but the actual uh, kind of my end goal perhaps had, had, had gone and um, I wanted to 
to potentially find something else to to do as well. Yeah, and you, but going back to your sort of athletic career, really, you, how long did you paddle for? You, I remember you coming through as a junior. How long was your actual paddling career? <sighs> so I started, I think, in, I think my, <laughs> I'd have to ask my dad for actual dates, but it was around kind of 90, 94, 95, I started canoeing. I uh, got into yeah. Starlet around 95, 96, and then I was on the junior team 98 to 2001. And then obviously from the senior team in 2002 to 2012. So, um, yeah, a decent amount of time. Uh, I was very fortunate to get paid uh, as an athlete to to go canoeing um, because I'd made the senior team and um, had some, some international results to to be able to fund me to go go canoeing full time. So very fortunate for that. Yeah. And and also thinking about your when when we'll chat about your coaching in a bit and how that's developed, but your background isn't just one discipline, is it? You you multiple canoe slalom. Yeah, um, I I did C one and C two um, for for a senior a senior team level, um, an international level. Um, but before that, as a junior, I did kayak as well. Uh, I was in Prem in kayak and. I would often um, enter a few freestyle events in, in a slalom boat just, to, um, <laughs> just for fun. The peak they used to do peak challenges in the early 2000s that I used to used to enter as well. So I think I just I just loved going canoeing. Um, slalom, I, I probably excelled at the most, but yeah, I just loved going canoeing. Yeah, but that, that that's definitely given you a big breadth of experience across all the different disciplines and how one can help the other, how one can learn from the other. And, and, and I'm sure as we get into this, we'll probably pick out, you know, the reason you, you're been a very successful coach now is is because of a lot of what you've done before and the way you've thought about paddle sport. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. And I think um, just taking the the some thoughts from from freestyle, learning how to how the boat moves and how a boat, you know, let's say blunts, um, and the, the athlete, you know, coming coming off one edge and putting the weight on the bow to kind of fling the tail around actually you can do a very similar move um in a solid boat you know not to not to the same flashy degree but um thinking about where the weight is and how the boat moves and is the tail moving around the nose or is the 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 nose moving around the tail yeah and again that you know that hints back at your back to your um your very very analytical mind in in across paddle sport and that's definitely something you're you're really known for now in coaching so what i want to do is just sort of rewind a bit really and get you to chat about your you you went from athlete to to coach so how did your first how did those first few times as a coach go how how were the sessions have you got anything uh you want to yeah I, I guess um thinking back to to when i first started i had a uh a deadline uh, of the first of january 2000 and uh, 13 whether I would um, contend uh, contend senior selection again in 2013 or whether I would move on to something something else and uh, kudos, uh, credit to Joe Coombs here Joe Coombs messaged me in December uh, 2012 uh, and asked me would I be available for some coaching um, and I said yes and that was kind of the decision made for me um, I was lucky that I'd never, I've never asked anyone for coaching. They've always came to me with their their needs, um, 
which I think was really nice. Um, how did the first coaching sessions go? I think I was very aware that as an athlete, that didn't automatically give me the the right to um, kind of give me the right to tell them how to paddle. Right. Um, I had to, again, think of their needs and what would work with them and then give them that advice to take away um, and to think about and help them then progress um, along yeah. that. So that's quite, yeah. So you weren't going down the line of how I would do it, you do it like that as well. You, you Yeah, with, perfect. Yeah. With ways that you recognise from very early stages in your coaching career that there's the way you paddle doesn't necessarily the way someone else should paddle and it's not. Yeah. And I think that's, that's an important thing for especially canoe slalom with there's being so many um, different styles, so many different body types, um, you know, how, how Martikam paddles is very different to how Tony Stonge paddles. Yes. They have some very similar concepts, um, but their training can look very different. Uh, yeah. And I was, I was very aware of that. I think I also um, reviewed a lot of the sessions I did. I looked, I wrote notes. Uh, I looked back, uh, I reflected a lot. Um, uh, one, of the, one of the things I really remember in, the, in those early, early sessions was um, I realized there was a queue of people asking for feedback. Right. Um, so I became quite quickly aware of the environment that I was in, not just the feedback that I was giving. And it was it was pointless to to give this whole detailed feedback if there was four people down the line, it was in the middle of winter and they're all getting cold. You know, I need to I need to be aware of the the environment as well as what I'm actually just saying to, yeah. to an athlete. Yeah. So it's about it's not just what you're saying, it's when you're saying it, the amount you're saying, and that, that might change throughout the year, but it might change throughout sessions as well. That yeah. That's for sure. And did that? Do you think that level of reflection on your coaching performance did that start from quite early on? Because that's that's something I, I know people work on that all their lives. So it's interesting if you if you kind of went down that uh, that route quite early with being a real reflective practitioner. Yeah, I think again having the transition from being an athlete where you review yourself, um, you know, yearly, monthly, weekly sessionally um that kind of came came natural and again i had a a goal of wanting to be the best coach i could be yeah i think you can only do that if you look back at your practice and you know find what's what's positive and and what can be improved in it yeah sure so it's, i guess that's a you know i was i was never a top level athlete anywhere near the level you were but um do you think that your mindset as as an athlete is you get out of bed to be the best athlete you can be that you've you managed to switch that to i'm going to get out of bed and be the best coach i can be and that that's why you've gone down that same process of what could be better how do i improve do you think that that mindset stuck with you um yeah that mindset of being being the best i 
I can be is definitely definitely stuck with me, as you say. I think the difference is is obviously when you're an athlete, you're looking um, probably internally um, and very selfishly sometimes, yeah. um, yeah. as opposed to when you're a coach. Obviously, you're looking at the needs of those individuals um, and the group as a whole, um, and giving them uh, giving them what they they need um, and how how well you can do that. Um. Yeah, yeah. That that's. I think that's a that you've picked up a really nice point there. That as an athlete, you look internally at what you can do, and now you're you've now flipped that to to what are these what are these athletes in front of me? What does each individual you said, which is a, a really nice way of phrasing it, I'm pleased <laughs> pleased to put uh, as a, as individuals, but also as as, as a group because you work with one to one, but you also work with quite good groups. So it's probably just worth the context of your coaching now um how many would you have at a time how does that how does that fit together Oof, I, I, that really varies um i as a, as a coach now i really do not like when a group is over four people um i can manage with more than four people um, obviously i have to set the session session up differently um but i feel that when there's four people or less in in that session that's when i can give the most amount of um quality um feedback and the best sessions sessions occur i would say um i think that also came about um because in those first few years 2013 and 14 i did a lot of coaching um coached a wide range of athletes um and a lot of ages a lot of different abilities um picked up some coaching work for different organizations did some british canoeing work did some canoe wales work uh i was pretty much coaching the top unfunded athlete in each class um to helping them uh, even on, on a monday evening i remember coaching a group of or i still do actually uh coach a group of um should we say more veteran veteran canoe slalomists yeah um, and that was actually really good because again they have different needs to you know a lot of the juniors um some things are the same but some things are, are very different and they were actually very good at letting me um experiment and try different stuff um because they were interested in seeing how that um how that influenced the the results of the session as well um, so yeah. i was very fortunate for that to that monday group yeah uh, just coming back to your point about the, the the four, that's quite interesting for me. So, do you think there's like um, like do you prefer? Would you prefer one or four? Do you think that one to one's better, or do you like having the the group that can feed off each other? How does oh, do you have experience at all um, on that? Just out of interest, is that, that like a, yeah? That's a, that's a good question. Um, I guess with with one, you can go into into obviously into more detail with that one athlete. And that's probably easier to revolve uh, revolve the session around them and their individual needs. But I think there is some good learning done within that group setting as well, isn't there? Um, and I think four then is a good number because you can watch each other um, yeah. and they can learn from each other. Once so again, a bit of sort of reciprocal peer learning type. Yeah, once it, but once it gets over that, 
group of four, I would say that there's almost too much in the session and there's not actually, they're not learning from each other anymore because there's almost too much going on. Yeah. That's that's I think that's really interesting that you see that, that there's differences with within that, and you've got your. I like the fact you've set yourself at four, four is where I'm, at, you know, at my I'm at my best then, and after that, there's going to be I guess you're saying there's going to be some compromises in this in the quality of the session and the outcomes of the session. Stepping over that, or is it just a different session? Yeah, I think it then just turns it turns into a a, a different session. Um, Obviously, yes, you lose some of that individual individuality um, within the session. Um, but, you know, if you, let's say, running loops or running a, a flat water or, or even a white water speed session, um, where they're only doing, you know, a couple of runs, those numbers can be higher because, again, they're, they're more interested in the, the clipboard um, and you're yeah. providing information for learning rather than your direct um direct input yeah they're not after your viewpoint on something they're after the, the yes. numbers down aren't they? Yeah. you're yeah. then you're providing again you're providing an environment to learn in um rather than um, necessarily direct contact with them yeah yeah excellent i think that there's a lot to go with well that's another podcast for you dan there's another one <laughs> session structures in this one um okay so let's go back sort of back to your early part of your coaching i'm interested in how you've developed as a coach and um things around uh so have you developed your coaching obviously from experience you were you were coached a lot you've, you've been on the receiving end of probably some exceptional coaching um so i'm interested in how that's impacted your coaching and, and also where else you you've got coaching knowledge from mm. yeah yes. yeah no no i was for, again very fortunate as a as an athlete that i received some very good um elite level coaching um and actually from a lot of different coaches um i was fortunate and unfortunate i would say to go through that many many coaches i think it made me think about actually the the relationship that you develop with a coach is really important and that develops over time and that's really important but actually having a, a few different coaches led me to you know lots of different styles of coaching what i what i personally liked what i didn't like um and did though you know did that coaching meet uh, meet those individual needs. Um, that first year, I also did a, a lot of research into coaching. I went into into university libraries and read up on some coaching practice. Uh, I know that's not for everyone, um, but I felt that that again, in in search of being the best canoe slalom coach I could be, I wanted to learn more about coaching. Yeah um i developed my website um my first website um and the reason for that was i wanted to be able to um articulate what i knew and to fill potential gaps in some people's in 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 some knowledge areas uh, that was all about upstreams and edges and a lot of that technical technical stuff 
um, that I wanted to to share to a lot of people as well. Um, but I would also use that as a resource to be able to prime some of my sessions um, so that, you know, if someone was coming in, they wanted to have a look at upstreams, right, have a look at the websites or have a look at the articles that I've written, and then we can do the session. Um, and then that almost meant that, again, we were on the same or similar page on starting a session. Um, yeah. When I was going through coaching a lot of people, um, you spend a few few sessions actually just getting up to speed with terminology. Um, yeah. So that was that was really important. And it, again, it was just a way for me to to think about that that coaching process and some of the key points um, of coaching and and coaching techniques mm. um, because I knew how to do them, um, but just because I knew how to do them didn't mean I knew how to coach them. Yeah, and there's a real difference in that, isn't there? Because you might have, if you let's take your four four uh, athletes in a session, that they might all want, you know, they might want the same information, but they might want it in, in different ways and different ways of explaining it. And yeah, you've gone down with your, you know, I've seen your website develop or websites develop over the years, um, having lots of different ways of of tackling the same problem and communicating with people. I think really helps learners to be able to learn in a way that works for them. Yeah. I guess the other things, uh, some other things I did was I, I kept watching um, a lot of senior international races, World Cups, Worlds, just to keep up to date with where the sport was was moving. Because um, I think back to 2012 and even now, it's, um, again, there's been a lot of differences. Like we, we, we spoke on the, the, the gate setting podcast um, about where the sport is moving. So, I wanted to keep up to date with that. Um, again, ran some presentations for, for a few different groups. Um, I'm not particularly a big fan of uh, talking to big groups. Um, so that's uh, that was definitely a challenge. But if I could talk to big groups about stuff that I was passionate about and spread some information, like I'm, like I'm hoping to do now in this podcast, then then that was a good thing to, to do and helped my um, understanding of delivery, being able to speak to, to different people um, and articulate that, that knowledge well. Yeah. Do you think, um, so, the, you know, the way you used to learn as, a, as an athlete and now the way you like to coach, do you see that as a constantly evolving thing or is, is the way you coach now, is that it, you, you're happy with it and it's going to stay like that or do you see it, evolving over the years how do you how do you how do you see that going i think it's definitely still an uh, an evolving process um exactly like a like as an athlete you you evolve as a, as a coach you evolve um and i think as as i do more and more coaching there's even more and more factors that then come into play um and even more that i'm learning learning about um, I think it's one of the first things I had was, you know, it was all all about technique. Um, and then I heard that uh, we discussed in the last last podcast that, you know, clear asylum is not just about technique. It's about decision making and reacting, um, which as an athlete I knew, but 
it it took me a while as a coach to think about how I could um, put those kind of things into practice in my coaching. As in how to how to structure an athlete's decision making abilities? Is that what you? Yeah, how to structure their decision making. Um, some of the work I did with some of the younger ones with the TIDs, um, TID group I had, which um, were, were literally just starting their canoe slalom journey, um, you realize what well, they don't know how to visualize, just remembering a course. And again, how could I then make remembering a course easier for them? It's not just about learning that, that, that upstream or that bow rudder, but... Um, how can I make the session better for them um, and easier for them? Um, I mean, they, they take ages to get in and out of their boats. So again, if I could speed up the process of them getting in and out of their boats, they would get more paddling done. Therefore, they would get more learning done. Therefore, they progress quicker. Um, and that's something I hadn't considered at all at the start of my coaching process. Um, yeah, so how you can really maximise your time with your athletes and get the most. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And do you think, you know, you do you coach a wide range of athletes still or now you're in the kind of British canoeing system and the, the Welsh canoe system, do you still work at, at kind of novice end as well as the higher end and top end? Where, where, where does your coaching take you? Yeah, so... Um, Within my private work, I'm coaching a lot of uh, a lot of top end prem guys, uh, mainly unfunded. Um, then for my canoe whales, I'm coaching kind of junior team and kind of junior sixteen um, team kind of level. Um, and then for my British coaching, uh, British canoeing, sorry, I'm still coaching some of the the, the TID or some of the younger younger groups. Um, so I get quite a big spectrum of uh ages and abilities um which i really enjoy then um adapting uh adapting those sessions around all of those all of those individuals and those groups yeah and and i guess that that's what keeps you keeps your mind alive i mean you're you're well known for always being at the at the course and videoing and and challenging technique and and really understanding the sport you know, I think I see you out there every day when I'm there, and and, and you're you seem very driven to to really get the best out of slalom technique and see where that can go and and challenge challenge what's being done. And how, how does that how does that keep how do you keep motivated for that the, the constant quest for slalom knowledge that you you seem to have a real thirst well, for? I think it's just enjoyment. I literally just enjoy being around the you know, a slalom community. Uh, I enjoy learning um, about canoeing still, uh, learning about coaching, learning about technique, learning about how to structure sessions better. Um, I, I don't know, I just in, enjoy it. And I think I've always enjoyed that, that paddle sport um, uh, and potentially outdoor environments. Um, I, I couldn't imagine ever be uh, signing a nine till five office job. I, I think you're probably probably the same. Um, and, and I'm I'm grateful and fortunate that I can do that. Um, 
yeah, I think it's literally just just enjoying it. Just mm. love love that environment. Love learning. Yeah, and and you know that that comes across every every time we we, we speak, and you know you've always wanted to talk about slalom. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but what's going to be the thing then? So, you know, if you think about your journey from athlete through to novice coach, you're now what are we seven, eight years into coaching? What what's next? Where's your, where do you see your coaching going in the future, and, and how do you think you're going to get there? If that. So I think again, just uh, still still learning about about coaching. I'm very interested now. I would say in um, some coach education stuff. Um, that's that's an area I'm definitely interested in. Um, being able to help um, other coaches. I guess that's one of the reasons why I keep saying yes to you asking for these these podcasts. Um, so that's an area I'm definitely definitely interested in and again it's i guess that just comes from that sharing of knowledge um i really enjoy sharing that knowledge and and also getting other people's opinions having that community of practice um where i see my coaching um going i think a big area i'm still looking into is um kind of the pathway of a of an athlete um and what they need to um do at different levels um oh you got me stumped now on this one (laughs) no even if it's just that that you know understanding the pathway of an athlete i think that's um that is a really interesting one whether you you look at it from the the sort of the novice end up to what it takes to to win at Olympic level or whether you start with how did they get there and work back? Mm, yeah, no, I, I'd agree with that. Yeah. I think yeah. That, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's a, you know, that is a really interesting journey to try and unpick why mm. some get there, some don't, whether it's um, a motivational thing, whether it's just, you know, a situational thing for them, you know, that that's a big thing to unpack. If, if somebody mm. answer to that, that'd be, That'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Step it across. Um, and then just to sort of finish things up, Dan, I'm aware I've taken a lot of your time. Um, would you have any if if you were gonna have this chat with a with a somebody who's about to retire from their, their time as an athlete and and take up coaching, mm-hmm. would you have any advice for them of, of the you know about their first steps, first sessions at all? Yeah. Um I think the the key bit is is I would say two things is one um, speaking to other coaches um, about that that journey of of being a coach and um, and those first steps. Don't be afraid to to talk to people about that. And then the second bit is just getting some volume of coaching done. I think and just really learning. Um, well, first of all, seeing if you enjoy it. Um, yeah and um and learning that and i would say taking on lots of different challenges and and lots of different levels of coaching um or levels of ability and and ages and see you know what are the similarities and what are the differences at that and i think just getting that volume of coaching done um yeah is key so yeah talking to talking to fellow coaches 
having a good community of practice kind of set up and just doing some coaching. Um, whether that's that's once a week or whether that's eight times a week, yeah, um, that, that's up to you. Yeah, so a big block of practice at the at the start with some good reflection and, and like you yeah. said, that in your practice, that having other coaches around you to to bounce ideas off and learn from is yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I think that's pretty pretty important. And you know, we're we're privileged to be in that position. A lot of us, but not not everybody's in that position. So finding that that network that you can drop into and, and learn from is a really important thing. Yeah, for sure. Brilliant. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for your time again. I know, uh, like I say, you're, you're a busy man trying to uh, figure out how to coach athletes remotely during this this lockdown period. So um, thanks thanks for your time. Um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll have you back on again at some point because that's given me an, another few avenues that we can explore the, from the, the 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 hive inside your mind of, of slalom. Yeah. Okay. So uh, thanks ever so much, Dan. And we'll speak to you again soon. Cheers, Pete. Bye.